five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast in partnership with Kidney Care UK, sharing faith, knowledge, hope, and love. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My name is Dee Moore, and I am a stage four kidney warrior. This podcast is dedicated to encourage, educate, and inspire as we explore all aspects of kidney disease, related chronic illnesses, and health. If you have any questions or ideas for topics you would like me to cover, please get in contact with me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. My guest today from Nottingham, England, is clinical lead renal dietitian Ravinda Sagu. Ravinda has been a renal dietitian for five years and is very passionate about helping people eating well with chronic kidney disease and focusing on good nutrition and foods they enjoy. Ravinda joins me today to talk about the South Asian diet and chronic kidney disease. Hi, and welcome to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. How are you doing today, Ravinda? I'm really well, Dee. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited about this interview today because this is the first time we're going to be covering this subject. And so I know that I'm going to be learning so many new things. So, yeah, I'm really excited. And without further ado, I'm going to start with my first question. And that's really from the very basics, really. And that is, what is a South Asian diet? That's a really good question to start off with, Dee. So the term South Asian usually refers to people that come from the Indian subcontinent. So within the UK, the South Asian minority are made up from people uh, from India, from Pakistan, Bangladesh, Gujarat, Sri Lanka, Nepal. And that's approximately 13% of the UK population. So when you have that in mind, you can see there's a huge variation that comes under that umbrella in terms of diet and South Asians. Now, traditionally, South Asian diets are considered to be very unhealthy, you know, made up of saturated fats like clarified butter, or ghee, coconut oil. There's lots of fried foods. There's quite a high use of fried refined carbohydrates like poppadoms or fried breads. Lots of high salted pickles and condiments. Essentially, these all contribute to a very high energy dense and high salt diet. And then to add on to that, if you think about the globalization of fast foods from different ethnicities, so there's absolutely a plethora of foods that you can pick up, whether you go to the high street, you go into the city centre. And again, these foods are very fast takeaway foods and they will be highly salted, they may be high in sugar and they may be high in fat. There's a lot there to really consider. So what are the risks if you were to carry on eating in this manner? So there's lots of literature and research that shows that the South Asian community in particular are six times more likely to develop diabetes compared to the general population. There's also a higher risk of heart disease, obesity, hypertension or high blood pressure at a much younger age compared to the general UK public. So if you think about somebody who has a diagnosis, let's say at the age of 50, of chronic kidney disease or heart disease, the counterpart, your Asian comparison will be around about 40. So that same diagnosis will happen much, much earlier. 
likely a combination of genetics and lifestyle habits. So those lifestyle habits, your dietary intake, play a key part in comorbidities and diseases. And when we look at kidney disease and the risk factors, the two most common causes are diabetes and high blood pressure. Now, it's really important just to highlight that if you have diabetes and a high blood pressure and you're taking medication and your blood glucose and your blood ranges are within the set targets, then your risk is very much reduced. It's only if you have a blood glucose and blood pressure that's poorly controlled over a long period of time or chronic. So you'll hear that word quite a bit, which is clearly all it means is it's over a long period of time then the kidney will struggle and then you may see a decline in function. Again, recent research has shown there's a lot of health inequalities when it comes to the South Asian community. They go on to develop chronic kidney disease three to five times more likely to start dialysis and they're at a higher likelihood of progressing faster to kidney failure. So these are all sort of statistics that have been kind of they show us how much inequalities they are and in particular they're less likely to receive a kidney transplant if you're of a much older person and if you're waiting and you are viable to have a transplant then your wait can be longer than say somebody who isn't of the Asian community. So you mentioned about health inequalities so what do you think the barriers are? Why do you think that we have these health inequalities? I think from my own personal view is, I think the major thing is language barriers. The whole concept of chronic kidney disease and dietary changes are hard to take on board. And if the understanding is limited and English isn't your first language, then it's very difficult going forward to make changes. So if the comprehension isn't there initially, then it's very hard then to ask the questions when we try and explain things like potassium and phosphates and low salt diets these are very very difficult things to take on board you know chronic kidney disease is a lot to take on board and when you're having dietary advice along with sort of medical advice and you're taking bloods there's a lot to take on when you then have that information relayed through a relative or through an interpreter it's really difficult to know whether the message has got across, whether their understanding is there. And that's kind of creates quite a huge barrier. It's also ensuring that the advice that we give is culturally appropriate. So it's completely pointless giving, you know, somebody who's of the older generation, who's of a South Asian background, advice of, you know, if they're looking at phosphates and potassium to reduce the amount of cola, say, for the, they're drinking or reduce the pizzas, when their diet's predominant, may not even contain those. So it's really, really important that we have the information that suits them, their lifestyle, their lifestyle choices. And most dietitians will go through a diet history with that patient and hopefully be able to ascertain that the information they give is appropriate. It's a good way of learning as well, because quite a lot of the information is given when we go through diet histories is there's lots of foods that perhaps we've not heard of. And it's a really good learning curve for us as dietitians. So we want to know what you're eating. We're not the food police. It's just, it's good for us to know as well. So yeah, so ensuring that the advice that we give is culturally appropriate is really important. The other major thing within the Asian community is having a diagnosis of any kind, whether that's chronic kidney disease, whether it's diabetes, whether it's blood pressure, 
is almost deemed as a bit of a taboo. It's not something they talk about. It's almost seen as a bit of a failure. It's almost an embarrassment. They don't really talk about it and they're very, very reluctant either to see a GP in primary care or go on to see health professionals within secondary care. So consultant or a dietitian or a nurse. It's almost admitting that they have a problem which they don't really want to admit. So they'd rather seek sort of Ayurvedic or alternative traditional medicine and practice those at home by themselves rather than go and see a health professional. This sadly can lead to very poor management of whether it's diabetes or blood pressure, sometimes can even cause weight gain and potentially drive kidney decline down further. So there's that aspect of it, which is quite important. And we know that picking up kidney decline early on gives us the best outcome when it comes to stabilising function. So the earlier we pick it up, you know, we're more likely to be able to stabilise that function. So seeing health professionals, if you feel that there is a concern and highlighting that first. So what advice do you have for a person living with CKD who follows a South Asian diet? The main thing I'd like to say is that you can still have a really healthy, balanced, low salt and enjoyable diet if all the food groups are balanced as well. And by food groups, I'm talking about carbohydrates. I'm talking about proteins, dairy, fruits and vegetables. That's always key regardless of what diet you follow. So making sure that you have all those within a healthy, balanced diet, the key. The only reason that you should be not having things like carbohydrates or certain foods in your diet is if you have a medical condition or you have been advised by another dietitian to take those out of your diet. Otherwise, you should be incorporating all those food groups. A high percentage of the South Asian population are predominantly vegan and vegetarian, with some having fish in their diet, some just having a little bit of red meat. But the red meat is often taken with vegetables as well. So the amount of meat that's intake within the South Asian population isn't as high as most people would narrowly think. So the diets can provide many, many benefits and they can be very healthy. So starting off with high fibre and looking at things like lentils and pulses and grains. So the great thing about these is that they can help gut health. They can help to keep our bowels regular. They provide us with soluble fibre. So help keep cholesterol levels in check. One of the things that most people tend to ask about is potassium content. So when we look at sort of dried pulses and grains and lentils. Yes, they do contain potassium. And one of the ways that we sort of say you can still have them, but keep the potassium on the low side is when you have things like kidney beans and chickpeas, try not to use the dried version where you soak them overnight and then cook them, say, maybe in a pressure cooker or boil them. Use the tinned versions. It's one of the best ways of having those pulses within your diet, but also having them at reduced potassium levels. So potassium is water soluble. So when they're canned and they're tinned, quite a lot of the potassium is actually removed with when it kind of sits in water, it kind of drifts out. So it's water soluble. It will come out. So although you don't remove all of the potassium, it will be at a much reduced amount. So drain away that water, drain away the fluid that's in there and you're just left with the beans. And you can use those within your cooking. So if you are concerned about potassium levels and you still want to enjoy lentils and beans, that's a really good go to. 
Oh, and I've got one more top tip, Dee. One thing I found is a lot of people, when they are told that they have to boil their potatoes first and add them into curries or they want to chip them or roast them, they're not very happy because it is. It's a lot of work. You've got to take your potato, you boil it, then you chip it or you add it into your curry. It's double work. It's fuel. They just don't want to do it. So top tip, use tinned boiled potatoes and I know a lot of people were thinking oh no they don't taste very nice but if you haven't tried it and believe I've tried them you know I make them for people that I have in my family with kidney disease and I add them to curries and I roast them and I chip them and you know what most people can't even tell the difference so it's saved on boiling just drain out the fluid quite a lot of them tend to be salted you don't get many that aren't salted so you can drain out the fluid and your potato is already salted. So you don't have to add any more seasoning if you don't want to. So how do you know if you're having a high or if you're having a low potassium diet? Please, please, please make sure you liaise with your renal dietitians. They are the experts in this field. They will look at your bloods that are taken regularly. They'll be able to look at all the minerals that sit within your blood chemistry, things like potassium, sodium, phosphate. All these sort of minerals tend to get thrown about. If you're not sure, please ask us. That's what we're here for, to explain what it is that we're looking for. Your dietary information is based on those minerals and the levels that are in there. So if one of those minerals are a little bit higher, then that's where your limitation tends to come in. That's where we sort of say, let's try and not have as many of these foods so we don't kind of make those levels go up any higher. So it's really important that you take on board the information that we give you because we do gear that information to you as an individual, to your blood chemistry or your blood results, to your medication that you're taking, to any other comorbidities or any other conditions that you may have. It's very much geared to you. We still do get people that come in that will say, oh, I've cut out all of these foods because they're high in potassium. Dr. Google, unfortunately, is still quite up there when it comes to what shall I eat? You know, I have kidney disease. This is blanket advice. It's very generic. It gives you advice based on what? Nothing. It doesn't know you as a person. It doesn't know anything about you. It doesn't know your condition. It doesn't know where your kidney function is. So that's why you seeing a renal dietitian is absolutely imperative. We're not the food police. We're here to give you as much information so you can really enjoy the foods that you love. You don't have to always restrict. And that's really important that that's kind of voiced. A lot of people will suddenly then cut out bananas. They'll cut out coffee. They'll cut so much food out. And suddenly you're worrying about weight loss and you're worrying about sort of, you know, deficiencies when there's no need to because you don't always have to restrict. And that's the key message see your real dietitian, discuss it with them. You may be pleasantly surprised. So lentils, yes, they have potassium in them. Split lentils have a lot less. So if you're looking to reduce the amount of potassium you have, use split lentils, boil lentils. Then you can, once they're boiled, you can tip out the water, then add in more boiled water from the kettle and then carry on with your cooking. Again, reducing the amount of potassium. So there are ways, especially when you're cooking, to reduce the amount of potassium that there are in grains and lentils and pulses. In terms of phosphates, they're sort of a lot lower. So we don't really worry about phosphates when it comes to lentils or pulses. It's more so much the potassium. The variety of fruits and vegetables that there are within the South Asian community are incredible. 
they are very seasonal. So in the summertime, you'll see lots of mangoes. There'll be lots of guavas. There's lots of avocados. Really beautiful, beautiful, very beneficial in terms of what they provide, vitamins, minerals, fibre. In the winter, you'll see more greens. So mustard leaves, okra, bitter gourd or gorilla. Now, these are all very high potassium sort of fruits and veg that I've named. But again, it's seeing your renal diet. You may not have to restrict them. They may not be, it may not be relevant. You may still be able to enjoy them. And if you find that you still have you know, scope to have those in your diet, or if you have a higher potassium level that's been found out by your dietitian, then we can still incorporate other things that you still enjoy, which is not a problem at all. Again, fibre, vitamins, minerals are really um, important when it comes to fruits and vegetables. And there's more and more emerging evidence that shows us that high intake of fruit and vegetables help to slow down kidney decline. That's not just because I'm a dietitian and I'm saying that. The evidence is showing us that the more fruit and vegetable that you incorporate into your diet can actually help to slow that progression down. Now we know that as your kidney declines, you, your blood can become a little bit more acidic. When we add in more fruits and vegetables, which are predominantly a little bit more alkaline, you get that balance. And there is, you know, some suggestion within this new emerging evidence that we can slow that down a little bit. So having more fruits and vegetables, regardless, is always a very, very good, safe option. If you're watching your potassium levels, again, Make sure you discuss if you want to add in more fruits and vegetables with your renal dietitian and there'll be a really good guide of what you can add in. We say a minimum of five a day and that's exactly why that is your minimum. If you want to go up to six, seven, eight, that's entirely up to you. If you have a background of diabetes and you worry about, about the fruit that you're having, vegetables, just increase the amount of vegetables you have. That's absolutely fine. Reducing your salt, that's the other key point is always going to be first line advice and it's key in keeping your blood pressure in check. If you have been diagnosed with high blood pressure and you're on blood pressure medication, reducing the amount of salt that you have in your diet will have a huge impact in that it will help to make your medications work a lot, lot better. When you have a high salt diet and you're having blood pressure medications, it's almost counterintuitive. They kind of work against each other. So reducing your salt will help your pressure medications work a lot better. So that's really important. But the beauty of within the South Asian diet is we have so many amazing replacements. So if you're trying to cut the salt down and think, I don't want my food tasting sort of bland. No, when it comes to South Asian diets, we've got ginger, we've got garlic, we've got curin, we've got coriander, we've got garam masala. There are so many spices that can be added within our diets that make them really flavoursome. So you're still enjoying them, but with less salt added to them. And that's key just to try and reduce the amount of salt. The aim is sort of five grams per day, and that's just less than a teaspoon a day if you have kidney disease. Now, for the general population, it'll be six grams. But for chronic kidney disease, we sort of say less than five grams, and that's kind of where we should be aiming. So if you think it's less than a teaspoon, that's hardly anything. So if you're using it in cooking and you're using it on the table, try and be a little bit more savvy about how much you're adding on the table. Also, when you're out and about, look at ingredients. Not all Asian shops will have the salt and the fat content, like the traffic lights that you would generally find in supermarkets. They are quite limited. 
But a really good tip is if you look at the ingredients, the highest content of that jar bottle package will always be first. So, for example, if I was looking at a pickle and it had cabbage and it had lots of carrots in, and I looked at the ingredients and the first content was cabbage and then it was carrots, and the third ingredient was salt, then I know that that's the third highest ingredient. So that's going to be quite a high content in terms of salt within that jar. So when you're looking at the ingredients, you don't have to do it for salt. You can use the same principle for sugar as well. Look at the ingredient list and try and find a product that has salt and sugar that's sort of way down the list. So that'll show that it has a much lower content. So that's always a good thing to look out for. And it's a great way of reducing the amount of salt consciously when you're looking at foods so your food can still taste great when you're adding all these lovely spices on top of that when we think about carbohydrates so within asian community we have lots of different types of bread whether they're fried puris whether they're breads that we make on a iron skillet would have lots of butter added to them it's making choices that perhaps have less fat so, you know, we're not having so much fried food. We're not having foods that are sort of using butter as much during the week. Keep them for special occasions. So it's never a no-no. There's never anything that we say, no, you can never have that. It's really keeping them for really special occasions. So when we think about carbohydrates, most South Asian plates, they'll have a roti or a chapati. They may have some rice. And it's thinking about, do I need both of those carbohydrates on there? Can I have less? Can I just have the rice maybe and then fill my plate with a bit more salad and then maybe some lentils? And it's kind of really looking at what consciously what you're having and how you can reduce the amount of carbohydrates that you're having, especially if there's lots of ghee or saturated fats added to them. Cooking wise, when we're cooking with all these lovely vegetables and with these dals, it's consciously making an effort to swapping from saturated fats like clarified butter and using and you know, coconut oil and things like that that are saturated to unsaturated fats and by unsaturated fats i'm talking about things that are plant-based oil so that's sunflower olive rapeseed these are all really really good oils that we can swap and you know and sometimes most people don't even realize that it has been changed flavor doesn't really make that much of a difference so it's worth just trying I know there, there's, there's lots of old school people out there who say, oh, no, it doesn't taste as good if you've got butter. That's absolutely fine. And having a small amount of butter in your meals is absolutely fine. It's when you have large amounts with lots of rice and lots of chapatis that then also have lots of butter in them that kind of makes a difference and increases the energy density. Now, South Asian community, we love our food. We love our portions. And believe me, when we're given a portion of food, it's rude not to finish it. So it's really important to kind of consciously look at how much you're having from a portion type, how much portion you're having, essentially. So you can look on your plate if you normally have three to four chapatis with a meal. Could you potentially cut that down if you wanted to, if you needed to? Not everybody will be looking to cut down on their portion sizes. So if you're struggling with your weight say for example and you want to try put weight on so not everybody's trying to lose weight or have a healthy diet it's also thinking about those that perhaps potentially want to put weight on so it's really making sure once you've discussed with your renal dietitian what's the best way to go about increasing or decreasing your portion sizes 
So they suit you, they suit your lifestyle, they suit the food that you're having and that you're meeting your nutritional requirements, whether that's, you know, with protein or maybe, you know, you're not having too much potassium or phosphates within that diet. Food, like I say, is a huge centre part of any culture and within the South Asian community in particular, it's significant. It's family, it's love, it's sharing, it's celebration. It's also about coming together when there's sadness and there's sorrow as well. It's very emotional. It shows that we care. It's such a huge thing that's ingrained within our culture. And that's why when we offer advice to people within the South Asian community, it's so important that we are culturally aware and that we keep that in mind when we're offering advice, when we look at what it is that they're having on a daily basis and be really, really conscious of all the different celebrations we know about Easter, we know about Christmas. I mean, I'd never ask anybody who's looking at their potassium levels and who's kind of limiting what they're having to say, no, you can't have any chocolate at Christmas. That's not how dietitians work. We want you to have an excellent quality of life. We want you to enjoy life socially. And it is about little modification and discussing these changes with your renal dietitian. Now, when we think of the South Asian community, there's lots of celebrations. We think about Eid, we think about Diwali, we think about Vasaki, and all of these incorporate so much food because it is revolved about celebration. There will be lots of foods that we wouldn't normally eat, like lots of sweets. Asian sweets are predominantly high in phosphates and potassium. There's lots of nuts, there's lots of Bombay mix, there's lots of cashews, almonds, again, potassium or phosphate. So it's just being really mindful when we do have uh, people that come to us to be aware of those and be culturally aware that it's not always about, you know, having potatoes or which they probably are but obviously giving them the guidance but sort of chips and cola and pizza is not always one leaflet fits all you know it's just being mindful about who comes through the door and what their diet is and how we can best approach that and empower them with the information so that they can go home and make informed choices and have a really good understanding of what they're eating and drinking based on what their good results are. Wow, so lots of amazing advice there. And it's also nice to know that actually doing something healthier can actually make life a bit easier. Because when you mentioned about kidney beans, now everyone who knows kidney beans take an entire eternity to cook. (laughs) If you're soaking them overnight, even then they take absolutely ages to cook and the tin variety cook a lot quicker. And so Mm -hmm. there's a double benefit there that if you use the tin variety and you're on potassium restriction that you can actually avoid a load of potassium so it's like a win-win situation they cook quicker and you save on potassium so that sounds really good to me and what you said about portion sizes now speaking from a Caribbean diet as well portion sizes are they're a lot bigger they really are (laughs) And as my trainer would say to me, D, portion control, portion control. You know, these are things that are relatively easy to do in one sense. And when I say in one sense, I mean easy as in it's done easily, but hard as in it's hard to do. But it's nice to know that those changes can make a significant difference in terms of slowing down the progression of your CKD. So 
really good advice there. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome, Dee. Very much welcome. So my final question is, what resources are available for someone living with CKD who follows a South Asian diet? So currently there's no South Asian specific diet sheets, but if you're under a renal dietitian, they have access to some excellent resources that were created by the renal nutrition group. So they're part of the specialist group that's part of the British Dietetic Association. And they devised a guide to low potassium diets, incorporating foods for South Asian, Afro-Caribbean, Eastern European, Chinese. So they're absolutely brilliant. And I think they were very much needed. And they are available through your renal dietitian. So if you're under a renal dietitian, do ask. Alongside that, of course, Kidney Care UK have excellent resources. There's lots of things on there that give some excellent advice. The Kidney Kitchen recipes are absolutely superb. So if you're kind of stuck in terms of what to make, it's low potassium, low phosphate, low salt. There's some brilliant recipes. So I would highly recommend those. So, yeah, they're kind of my go to, I think, at the moment. Thank you so much for joining me and for sharing so much amazing information and advice about South Asian diets. I know that this will help so many people. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. And thank you very much for having me, Dee. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Diary of a Kidney Warrior podcast. And don't forget that you can contact me on social media using the handle Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Please do subscribe to the podcast and please do tell a friend. New episodes of this podcast are released every other Monday. Until next time, take care and choose to live. Diary of a Kidney Warrior. Sharing faith, knowledge, hope and love.